Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your still, small voice. We love to hear from you, and we know when we're hearing from home. Help us to always hear and recognize and listen to your voice. We thank you for your care and your concern for every detail in our lives. You speak to guide us. You speak to comfort us. You speak to encourage and uplift us. You speak to warn us. And you speak to direct us. To direct our lives in the way that you know is best for us, Lord. Bless our time now. Father, as we study your word, to hear your voice. Visit with us and give us open minds and open hearts. In the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. In April 1912, Cyril Evans was working as the telegraph operator on board the SS Californian on a voyage across the Atlantic. Well, on the night of April 14, 1912, the captain of the Californian, Stanley Lord, brought the ship to a halt as it had entered a, a wide ice field with many large icebergs. He knew, he knew the icebergs would tear any ship apart, resulting in tragic consequences. So Lord came into the wireless operator's room and he ordered Evans to warn all of the other ships in the area of the ice. Well, Evans proceeded to do just that, sending out wireless warnings to the other ships in the area to be careful. They were approaching ice. Stop. Turn back. Go another way. Well, in the wireless room aboard the Titanic that night, operators Jack Phillips and Harold Bride were trying to get through a backlog of private messages that they were to send from the ship to the United States, the destination of the Titanic, on her maiden voyage. Phillips received Evans' ice warning, but because the Californian was so close to the Titanic and Evans had his set turned to full power, he almost blew the headset off of Phillips' head. An angry Phillips told him to get off, and Phillips never passed along the ice warning to the bridge or to the ship's captain. Evans felt he had done what he was ordered to do. He switched off his radio set, and he went to bed. A short time later, the Titanic, heading at full steam west toward America, came upon the ice that Evans had tried to warn them about. The ship struck an iceberg and sank with the loss of over 1,500 people. It all could have been avoided. It all could have been averted, but he didn't listen. Jack Phillips refused to listen to the message and act upon it. He may have heard it. But he didn't like the tone. He didn't care for the timing. He was too angry at the messenger. Whatever the reason, he refused to take action based on the message that he received. Tragic consequences. That's what not listening to what's important can lead to. Tragic consequences. You know, we may often dismiss the message because we, we discredit the messenger or we have something against the messenger. However, when it comes to hearing from God, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who didn't want to hear a message from God. Oh, only a fool would say, I don't want to hear what God has to say to me. No, the, va the vast majority of us would be honest in admitting, 
I certainly want to hear what, what God has to say to me. But the introspective question that we must ask ourselves is, do we take the necessary steps to hear, listen, and obey what God has to say? It's one thing to desire to hear from God. It's another to make ourselves available and willing to listen to God. And yet it's an entirely different thing to follow what God has to say. All of this is part of hearing God. And no one exemplified that better in Scripture than young Samuel. Let's look at our Scripture reference today. 1 Samuel chapter 3. You'll remember Samuel's mother Hannah, who desperately prayed to God for a son. And he answered her prayer. He gave her a son when she had given birth to Samuel. She gave him back to God. She brought him to the temple to be dedicated and to serve the Lord there. And here we find young Samuel on a particular temple night. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You, you called me? But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So a third time the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so Samuel went and lay down in, in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling, as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning, and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized 
that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Well, Samuel exemplified three key things needed to hear God speaking in our lives. We're going to look at each one of those today as we challenge ourselves to listen closely for God's voice. Three things we must be. Our first point, be attentive. Being attentive means paying attention. It's important to note where Samuel was when God spoke to him. He was being still in the quiet of night in the temple of God. He wasn't busy with business. He wasn't slothful with pettiness. He wasn't found in a place he shouldn't be. You you can't pay attention to hear God's still, small voice if you're in the midst of, of chaos and noise or if you're in a place you know you shouldn't be. You can't pay attention to hear God's voice if your attention is divided between God and anything else. God and television, God and social media, God and financial problems, God and family issues. Robert Heron wrote, Good listening is like tuning in a radio station. For good results, you can listen to only one station at a time. Trying to listen to my wife while looking over an office report is like trying to receive two radio stations at the same time. I end up with distortion and frustration. Listening requires a choice of where I place my attention. To tune into my partner, I must first choose to put away all that will divide my attention. That might mean laying down the newspaper, moving away from the dishes in the sink, putting down the book I'm reading, setting aside my projects. It's all a choice, isn't it? It all comes down to a choice on where we place our priorities. Is God's voice more important than the noise around us? Absolutely, absolutely. But, but life is noisy. Life is busy. Life, life doesn't stop to give me quiet. Well, friends, sometimes we have to make the quiet in the midst of the noise. We have to turn our hearts to God in the middle of the chaos. God desires your full attention. Do you give it to Him? Do you carve out time that's just for you and God? Put away the phone. Put put away the issues. Put away the fears and the what-ifs. Put away the stray thoughts. and Give Him your attention. Only then can you listen carefully to what He wants to tell you. Charles Swindoll wrote, This, he said, in the soul searching of our lives, we are to stay quiet so we can hear him say all that he wants to say to us in our hearts. Can we stay quiet long enough to hear God's voice in our lives? Sometimes God speaks loudly and clearly, but more often he speaks in a quiet voice. And if we're wise, we'll listen carefully when he does. And to do so, we've got to carve out quiet time quiet moments each day to study his word and to sense his direction, to fellowship with him. Friend, do you dedicate time to hear from God? James 1.19 reminds us, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen. That's the priority. Sometimes we're so busy telling God that we don't have time to listen to God. 
We're busy with the speaking and we're slow with the listening, aren't we? The story is told of Franklin Roosevelt, who often endured long receiving lines at the White House, and he always complained that no one really paid any attention to what was said. One day during a reception, he decided to test this out and try an experiment. To each person who passed down the line and and shook his hand, he murmured, I murdered my grandmother this morning. Well, the guests responded with phrases like, Marvelous! Keep up the good work! We're so proud of you! God bless you, sir! It was not till the end of the line, while greeting the ambassador from Bolivia, that his words were actually heard. Non-faced, the ambassador leaned over and whispered, I'm sure she had it coming. It's humorous, but it's so true. We, we don't take time to listen. Listen carefully. Listen attentively. Don't be so eager to speak that you fail to listen. Luke nineteen forty-seven to 48 recounts of Jesus' teaching this. It says, Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. They hung on his every word. That's what he desires of us. Give him your full attention. Hang on his every word. Focus on him and nothing else. So often we're unable to listen to that still small voice because of all the other voices in our ear. Right? We have friends who freely give out their opinion and advice. We have family in our ear trying to tell us what to do. We have co-workers, schoolmates, teachers, politicians, celebrities, all vying to get into our ear and to get in our heads and influence us with what they feel is best for everyone. Right? We have vying agendas, positions, causes, movements, social interests. How can we hear from God in the midst of all of that? Friend, who is in your ear? If it's not God's voice, whose voice is it? If you're not paying attention to God, who are you paying attention to? And what happens when we don't pay attention to God? Well, we spend our focus and our attention on something else, right? We invest our thoughts and our concerns and care on something apart from God. We put Him and His ways and His kingdom on the back burner of our lives. And what happens? We drift. We slip, we fall. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1 warns us, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Not just pay attention. Not just pay careful attention, but pay the most careful attention. Nothing we hear in life is more important than what God has to say to us. No one's opinion, no one's advice or influence should matter more. Don't you want to give that your finest focus? Don't you want to give him your full attention? Be found in the right place. Be found doing the right thing. Be found focused on the right one. And be found listening attentively for his voice. Amen? That's our first point. Be attentive. Our second point today be receptive. Samuel obeyed Eli's instructions. When God talked to him, look how he answered in verse 10. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, 
for your servant is listening. I'm ready, Lord. I hear you and I'm ready to receive your message. That's a receptive heart, able and willing to receive something. That's the definition. Do you remember Jesus' parable about the sower and the seeds? Right? Some seeds fell on rocky soil where they never took root. Some seeds fell among thorns and were choked. Only the seeds which fell on good soil produced a crop. That's what we that's what we call receptive soil. Soil that's ready and willing to accept what's planted in it. That's the kind of spirit we should have to hear God's voice. Be open and receptive to his instruction. Have you ever been in a debate or an, uh, an argument with someone and you've already made up your mind regardless of what they have to say? We've all done it, right? That, that's what every presidential and vice presidential debate reminds me. No one's mind is getting changed. If you go in supporting one candidate, you're going to come out supporting the same candidate. You're not going to support the other guy, right? No one goes in with the attitude, I'm open, change my mind. No, you may hear the words they say. You may understand the argument they're making, but you're completely closed to allow it to change your predetermined stance. We're all this way. But being receptive is the opposite of that. You're willing to listen. You're willing to listen to what you hear. You're open to allow it to change your mind and your heart. Being attentive is all about the ears, hearing God. Being receptive is all about the heart, being open to receive God's message. Six times in the Gospels, Jesus says, He who has ears, let him hear. He wasn't speaking of the physical hearing, the audible hearing. He was speaking about matters of the heart. Do you allow God's voice to penetrate your heart? Or have you already made your mind up? Not changing, not budging, not going to happen. Closed eyes, closed ears, closed fist. Have you been there? We close up because it's, it's a defense mechanism. Right? We want to protect what's most valuable to us, our status quo. We don't want to change. If I allow God to disrupt my status quo, that means I may have to change my habits, my lifestyle, my sins, my schedule. And everything that I'm comfortable with may have to change. So I, what do I do? I close up. I protect. I refuse to let his voice penetrate my heart. Friend, you're in for a long road ahead because God will go to great lengths to get you to open your eyes to get your attention he will find ways to reach you where you are and if you're being honest with yourself friend has your status quo brought you joy has your lifestyle brought you a lasting peace God only desires change that's for your ultimate good be receptive to that. Be open to that. There are many who say they desire to hear God's voice in their lives. But you know, the truth is they only want to hear God's voice if it validates their lifestyle. If it's contrary to what they're doing, if it requires them to change, to sacrifice, to submit, or to repent, it's not a message that they want to hear. And that core truth is, is the motivation behind so many sugar-coated Cotton candy sermons that will tickle your ears, warm your heart, and make certain to avoid conviction or change of any kind. 
Just be you. They preach to you. Keep doing what you're doing. Right? Don't let anyone, anything change you. No, God is looking for receptive hearts. Be willing to be changed by what you hear from God. Be open to Him. Are you receptive to God's voice, to God's instruction, to God's leading, to God's will in your life? Oh, before you're quick to answer yes, realize that being receptive to God's will in our lives means setting aside our own will. The closer we are to Him, the more receptive we will be to His voice and His instructions in our lives. A receptive heart is a heart that stays close to God. How does how does cell phone reception work? Well, the closer you are to the cell tower, the better your reception will be. Right? If you stray too far from a tower, you lose reception. You lose the signal. The best reception is when you're closest to the source of the signal. It works the same way with a heart that's receptive to God's voice. Stay close to the signal. If you want God to speak in your life, be serious about listening to Him and allowing His Word to change you. Remember the receptive, fertile soil? That's how God wants our hearts. Prepare your hearts for God's Word. What does that mean? What's a prepared heart? Well, a prepared heart is a repentant heart, softened and sensitive, free and fertile, clear and uncluttered, receptive and open, persevering in faith, and thereby able to produce fruit to glorify God. If our hearts are not prepared to hear and listen to God, that means they're like the hardened soil. And friend, you don't want to be there. You don't want to get there. Any gardener will tell you that the process to break up hard soil is not a pleasant one. Prepare your hearts now to be soft, open, and receptive, so that when God does speak to you, That word will take root in your heart. Amen? Be receptive. Our first point was be attentive. Our second point, be receptive. And our third point today, be responsive. It's not sufficient to simply be attentive enough to hear what God tells you. Right? It's not sufficient to be receptive enough to be willing to obey what God tells you. We need to take that all-important third step and actually follow through and do what we've heard him tell us to do. The action part, that's responsiveness. It's the toughest part. How do we respond to God's voice? What actions do we take in light of God's direction to us? James 1, 22-25 sums this up so perfectly. It says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. It's not enough to hear the word. You can sit in a church pew or in the comfort of your living room, listening to sermon after sermon. You can read God's word from cover to cover. But if you don't obey the commands, what's the use? What have you accomplished? Be doers of the word and not hearers only. 
What is your response before God? We have a lot of tactics we use when God is asking something of us, don't we? What do we do? Well, we ignore. I'm not sure that's God asking me. We delay. You know, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait and make sure that that's God's will. We negotiate. Lord, I'll do this only if we alter, right? I'm going to do something different because it's it's in the same spirit. And I'm sure God would want that, right? Or we run. Forget it, Lord. No way. Friend, God is looking for pliable hearts that obey his asks, regardless of, of whether or not they match up with our desires, with our understanding, with our agendas. Take God's word and instruction to heart and follow through. I've read that when Edward VI, the king of England in the, in the 16th century, attended a worship service, he stood while the word of God was read so that he would stay alert. He took notes during this time and he later studied them with great care. Throughout the week, he earnestly tried to apply them to his life. That's the kind of serious-minded response to truth that Scripture calls for. A single revealed fact cherished in the heart and acted upon is more vital to our growth than a head filled with lofty ideas about God. One step forward in obedience is worth years of study about it. Dr. B.J. Miller once said, It is a great deal easier to do that which God asks us to do, no matter how hard it is, than to face the responsibilities of not doing it. Friend, if we know what God is asking of us, and we still have not taken action and responded to that, we have no excuse. We have no recourse. We're like Jonah on the way to Tarshish, running as far as we can from where God wants us to be. Do we think our journey will be blessed? Do we think we'll, we'll find our fairy tale ending? Do we think our trip is going to be a pleasant one? Turn around. Turn around and go God's way. Respond to that voice you so clearly hear and take action to do what God is asking of you. There's no greater place to be than in the place of obedience to God. Your ways will be blessed. Your heart will be at peace. Your conscience will be clear. Be responsive to God's voice. Amen. Be attentive. Focus in and listen closely for God's voice. Be receptive. Be willing to obey. Be willing to change course. Be willing to be changed by God. And be responsive. After hearing God's voice, obey it. Obey what he is asking of you. Friend, are you hearing God in your life? Is he trying to reach you? Do, you? do you see the signs in your life of God trying to get your attention? Stop avoiding him. Stop replacing him. Stop trying to fill your head with other voices. Stop trying to fill your life with other sources. No other source in your life will fulfill. No other voice in your life will comfort no other source in your life will bring you lasting joy. C.S. Lewis wisely observed that human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. It doesn't exist. Friend, nothing else but God will satisfy. 
And it's only through Jesus that we can know him. It's only through the sacrifice he made on the cross that we can be forgiven of our sins and reconciled to God. If you've never opened your heart to receive Christ as your personal Savior, don't wait another minute. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Tonight is not guaranteed. Give him your heart today. And dear believer, listen, listen most carefully for God's voice in your life. Listen for his still small voice speaking inside your heart. Listen for him through, through the scriptures he directs you to. Listen for him in the sense of peace that only he can give. Listen for him in the wisdom of trusted counselors and friends. Listen for him in the, in the moving of your conscience through the Holy Spirit. Listen for him in the doors he opens and the doors he closes. He wants to speak to you. He wants to direct your life. He wants to lead you in the perfect path which he's planned for you. Listen for his voice. Be open to what he says and how he leads and follow through and obey. Amen. Turn your ear and your attention to hear his voice. Turn your heart to receive his word and resolve your mind to obey his command. Here I am, Lord. Speak. Let's pray. Father, our heart's desire is to hear your voice speaking clearly in our lives. Help us to shut out the noise, to shut out all the other voices around us, and to listen carefully to your still small voice. Prepare our hearts to be, to be close to you, to be fertile soil, to be ready and willing to receive your word and direction, and give us strength to follow through whatever you ask in obedience. Help us to be attentive, receptive, and responsive to your voice. Speak to us, Lord, for your servants are listening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.